Seattle's Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com, and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365, for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness, and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, once upon a time, Jennifer Siegel was a hardworking professional chef who left the chaotic restaurant business to raise a family. Jen started Once Upon a Chef blog to help busy people make healthy, family-friendly meals. That successful blog spawned the new top-selling cookbook, Once Upon a Chef, and Jennifer Siegel is going to be here to talk to us about Once Upon a Chef that's available now, and we'll be back to talk with Jennifer and her her successful venture from restaurant chef to top-selling cookbook author, and we'll be right back with Jennifer Siegel. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'll just let that go to voicemail. Oh, hey, Southern Belle, I hope you're well. Did you get what you wanted when you did Bell? Southern Bell by Seattle's own Matt Backness, and we're really proud of Matt. He's down in Nashville right now tearing things up and making a name for himself. So thank you, Matt, for providing that song, Southern Bell. And we are back with our special guest today, the author of Once Upon a Chef. The cookbook is out now. It's selling great, and we are thrilled to be talking with Jennifer Siegel, who authored this book uh, based on her best-selling blog. I guess it's not a selling blog, but everybody is going to her blog, and that spawned this cookbook. So thanks, Jennifer, for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. So kind of take us back to how this started, because you just don't walk through the door and tell someone, hey, I got a cookbook for you. Will you publish it? There's a lot of work that goes into it before you get to this point, right? Right. Well, my story started really almost 20 years ago when I uh, went to culinary school and worked in the restaurant business. Um, And I did that for many years up until I had children. But when I had kids, I really wanted to switch gears. I didn't want to work the long hours and weekends anymore. So I um, was trying to find something that I could do from home. So I decided to start a cooking blog. And I've been doing the cooking blog since 2009. And uh, it eventually led to the opportunity to write this book. Well, and you tested all of these out on your blog first, right? And then did, did you take the most popular ones or, or how did you decide which ones to transfer from the blog to the actual cookbook? Well, the book actually has 70 brand new recipes. There's 100 recipes total. So 70 of them are brand new, so they're not on the blog. And then there's 30 favorites from the site. And I basically took some of the most popular recipes or even some that I thought um, – you know, sort of unsung recipes from the blog that were some of my personal favorites that I just thought needed some more exposure. And then it was a matter of sort of filling in the blanks and seeing, you know, what was maybe missing from the website, um, you know, so that the the book could really be an extension of the blog. And the blog is a very interactive experience with your readers and the people who follow it. How much of an impact and an input did those followers of your blog that had been with you over this long course of time have in in what you were choosing and what you were going to highlight? Um, You had to have taken all of that into consideration. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, You know, over the years, I get suggestions all the time um, for recipes that people would like. So I have sort of this running list that I keep and, you know, that I drew from that. And then Also, when I announced on my blog that I was writing a book, I was literally inundated with volunteers for recipe testers. So I had about 400 of my readers who were testing the recipes for me during the process of writing the book and giving feedback. And so that was really a lot of fun because, you know, 
for the blog, I don't, you know, I test all the recipes myself and then I put them out there. But, um, you know, for the book, I had some help from my readers, which was really nice just to have them be a part of it. And, you know, writing a book is sort of a lonely experience. It was nice to have all these pen pals all over the country, um, you know, to go back and forth with about the recipes and get their feedback. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I would think so. And they also have a little bit of ownership with you in in the making of the cookbook. So it yeah. really pays to be a, a loyal fan because it paid off for them because you really tapped into not only their loyalty, but, but their enthusiasm and, and their knowledge of, of what you were trying to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. And they were so great, so helpful. You know, I really appreciate, appreciate it, actually. Um, listed all their names at the in the end of the that really it meant a lot to me because you know it's nerve wracking to put all these brand new recipes out there and I, I feel like I can sort of sleep better at night knowing that they've all already been tested by my readers. Well, what's it like now to have a, a, a tangible form of of your work in in a cookbook? It has to be very exciting to have something that sits on a shelf, or people can go to a bookstore and and buy, or they could go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or something like that and actually see it. I mean, what what does I, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. Yeah, you know, it really is a dream come true for me. I I didn't mention this before when I was sort of giving you my backstory, but when I left the restaurant business what I really wanted to do was write a cookbook. And um, I tried, I, you know, I wrote a book proposal. I, I started putting feelers out there. I tried to send it out to publishers and to agents and I was like flat out rejected <laughs> because it's, you know, it's almost impossible to write a book as a total unknown. No one had any idea who I was and publishers are really looking for, you know, people who have an established following and, you know, like a built-in audience that might purchase the book. So that was, you know, the blog at that time was sort of, um, you know, I started it because I thought it would be still a great way to do what I wanted, you know, not being able to write a book. And so now all these years later to finally have, you know, that dream come true is really um, special. It means a lot to me. I, I would imagine so. And it's a beautiful book. It's absolutely wonderfully done. It's easy to understand. Um, it's it's very user friendly, and it, it's really broken down into chapters. And I'll just kind of roughly go through them real quick to give everybody an idea. But you have starters and snacks and soups and sandwiches, salads, main courses, sides, breakfast and brunch breads, desserts, and of course, my favorite cocktails. And I love uh, when authors put some cocktails in there because especially during summer, it's, you know, of course, we can all break open a bottle of wine and, and serve that. But it's also nice to have something that's um, kind of refreshing and they haven't had before and maybe easy on the eye to look at as long as as well as tasty to drink. And, and you covered that in your in your uh, cocktails chapter. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's really nice to have sort of a signature drink at a get together. And I think people remember it. You know, they might not remember the salad, but they remember the fun cocktail. Mm -hmm. And we also love here in the Pacific Northwest salmon. And I love that you had a cedar plank salmon with ancho brown sugar spice rub recipe because we copper river salmon rum is getting ready to, open in May for us and we're the 
salmon, we just get inundated with salmon. And a lot of people, all, all the time when they come from around the world, they always usually want to try salmon. They've heard about salmon. Uh, they've heard about the Pacific Northwest salmon. When they're coming from the East Coast or they're coming from overseas somewhere, they always want salmon. We can never have enough salmon recipes. It's, it's like we always get stuck on how to serve salmon, um, but yet that's what everybody wants to have when we come. So I love this. And brown sugar spice rub and the ancho is going to kick that up a notch. But that is really, I mean, it's, it's almost like a secret sauce with, with salmon. It tastes so good. Yeah, that's one of my favorite recipes in the book. And, I, you know, I love cooking salmon on the grill on a plank because then you don't have to worry about it sticking. And um, it makes such a nice presentation also. And it's easy. Yeah, so easy. Yeah, and it's good for you, so it covers everything. It's easy, it's good for you. Most people like it and enjoy it, and uh, and it serves up so well. It looks like that you really know what you're doing, that you're more professional when it wasn't right, right. extremely hard to pull off. Yeah, and what I like, another thing that I really like about that recipe, and this is you know, sort of a theme through the book, is that I really try to make my recipes family-friendly. And, you know, I've got picky kids. I have a 13-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son. And the nice thing about that recipe is, you know, for the kids, you can just leave the spices off if they are, you know, like things plain. Like my daughter likes everything very plain. And so I like that, you know, when recipes can be easily adapted, you know, without, you know, having to take all these extra steps. And so that's one of the nice things about that one as well. Exactly. And that's that's something that's good about salmon is you could put the rub on some of put it on the other parts of the salmon if 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 you have like you said you know picky eaters or people who don't right. like things with any heat or anything on it because it's kind of individual so just just like yeah. a steak or a hamburger or something salmon works in in that same in that same vein it's because exactly it does seem like there's a lot of picky eaters out there at least they're coming to my house they're a little picky oh like, my goodness yes <laughs> I think I'm the pickiest eater of all though I think I win that contest <laughs> <laughs> have have my any daughter would eat white rice four nights a week if I let her. <laughs> have any of your kids shown any interest in in taking on you know the business with mom? No, they do not like to cook. It's so funny because all of their friends, you know, love to be in the kitchen, love to cook. They come over, they want to bake with me. My kids have no interest, but I feel like that's always how it is, you know. <laughs> usually, like, usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, the salmon was one of my favorite recipes in the in the cookbook. What what are some of your other favorite recipes? Um, well, I love the no churn cheesecake ice cream. That is one of my favorites because I love that it was it is as creamy as an ice cream that comes out of an ice cream machine, but you don't have to use an ice cream machine to make it. And I think recipes like that are for our homemade ice cream are really hard to find. Um, and it really does taste just like cheesecake. And there's like a graham cracker pecan crumble that you can sort of eat as either like a cookie next to it or crumble it over top. And so that's really delicious uh, for a dessert, especially in the summertime. Um, for a main course, I love the steak au clove. And that's a recipe that I learned how to make when I was studying abroad in France and working as an au pair. And, um, you know, so that's, that's, that's a great one um, as far as entrees go. And um, 
Gosh, another favorite is actually one of the most popular recipes on my blog. It's a black bean and corn and avocado salad with a chipotle honey vinaigrette. And that's one of those things that you can either serve as a salad with like grilled chicken or grilled shrimp um, or as a dip with tortilla chips. And that's always a favorite. It's hugely popular. Yes, I, I can see how that would be, especially with summer coming up. So many of these things are really great for summer, the ice cream and salads and dips. How many times are we instructed by the hostess, you know, bring a dip or bring right, a starter or something like that. And, you know, you don't want to just show up with a can or something, you know, you want to be right, a little more right. creative than that. Yeah, that, that black bean dip or salad, is um, that's a winner. That's my mm-hmm. go-to. Yeah, it looks really good. There's there's so many things. I mean, smoked Gouda with pesto grilled cheese. Oh, I mean, there's some low-cal things, and there's some, you know, things that I call no-cal because I don't even count them as, right. as calories. Smart. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> just good you just eat it because it's good you don't worry about the rest of the stuff (laughs) and scones I mean we really like scones here too and you have a great scone recipe in here with the blueberry Uh, blueberries are going to be in season Uh, a lot of people are you know blueberries again you know a another superfood that's really good for you and everybody loves scones as well and a lot of times you when you get blueberries you get a lot of them like what do I do how many blueberry pancakes can I eat so this gives you yeah, a, I know. another outlet for that. There's also a really nice savory scone recipe in the book. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, it's in the breads chapter, and it's it's a cheddar and Dijon scone. And mm. it's really nice to serve with cocktails or with a glass of wine, like warm out of the oven. It's just it's like a fun hors d'oeuvre, and it's also really good with soup. Oh, yum. Yeah, because, yeah, like you said, they, they don't always have to be on the sweeter side. They could be savory. And a lot of times you don't want something really heavy. Maybe somebody's just coming over for, you know, maybe just a little cocktail and maybe just, you know, something small, small bites to kind of have when they're having the cocktail. Yeah, not, not a exactly. Full meal. And that's something kind of different, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not difficult to make either. No, so easy. I think people are intimidated by scones, but they're really, really easy to make. Now, if when when people buy the Once Upon a Chef cookbook, now you, you're still running your blog, right? So they can go over to your blog and and join the conversation over there. Yeah, absolutely. I the blog is um, still going strong. I I post one new recipe a week on the blog. Um, but I'm on it every day answering questions, and I really encourage people to email me and um, leave reviews of the recipes, send questions. I, I reply to every email. Um, you know, I sort of like to think of myself as like a chef on call. Um, you know, I really like to answer questions about the recipes because I feel like that's something, you know, that comes up when you're reading a recipe. You have a question, can I make it ahead? Can I double it? You know, there's just a million things that you might need to ask. And so I, I'm there answering questions. Um, and there's all the information about the book is on the website as well. So, Well, and, and that's one thing I haven't seen before in a cookbook that you've done. You've taken your professional knowledge and you've incorporated it in here with you have a, on, on a lot of the recipes, it'll say pro tip to the side. And it'll be something yeah. that maybe you learned 
when you went to culinary school, working in the busy restaurant industry that maybe we didn't know at home. And those pro tips, and then they're also heads up. You give us a heads up on things, and those are so helpful there along the side. Yeah, yeah. I really try, and I do this on the blog as well, to sort of parlay what I learned in, in the restaurant business, you know, into like little tips and tidbits that, you know, apply to home cooking as well. Because I think, you know, most people don't go to culinary school. There's a lot of little things that you pick up that, you know, really do make your food better and just um, little techniques like understanding how to properly sear a piece of meat or, um, you know, how to get your deviled egg feeling really smooth. Just little things that you might, you know, you might not know. And so I sort of try to sprinkle those in to make it, um, you know, sort of fun to read and also educational. Absolutely. Yeah, you um, talk about um, the spaghetti with kale and walnut pesto. I'm a huge fan of kale. I know not everybody loves kale, but I do. Um, you, you, you talk about on the pro tip about covering the top of the food processor lid with plastic wrap before securing yeah. the lid so that you don't have to, you know, clean the top of it. I mean, that's <laughs> I would have never thought of that in a million years. Yeah, and then another tip, and this is not something I learned in the restaurant business. This is something I've picked up being an absent-minded, like probably stressed-out mom, is I always forget when I'm draining pasta to save some of the pasta water for the sauce. And so I, I think I write in the heads-up note there that, you know, what I've learned to do is put a measuring cup, a liquid measuring cup, next to my colander so that I don't forget. Because I, if I don't do that, it's inevitable I forget to save some of the cooking liquid. So mm-hmm. just little things. It is, and it is a lot of times the little things that actually make a big difference, whether it's in cleanup or it's in taste or it's in presentation, just those little tiny things. And a lot of times we're so busy cooking, we don't remember those things, but you have them laid right out here. It's like, this is the recipe, but hey, you know, here's a little heads up if you want to do this, or here's a little pro tip that you can do. It's right there. So when you're kind of going through the motions of uh, making something, it's right, it's right there. You don't have to go to another section. What would be the pro tip for this or a heads right. up for this? It's it's right there on the side. Very, very convenient. It, it was a really good yeah. idea. The, the heads up also is, is to sort of give people a little warning if there's something they need to look out for, like if a dish needs to marinate for four hours, because how many times have you, you know, made a recipe and then you get to the end and it says, you know, put it in the fridge for four hours and you're like, shoot, you know, I'm about to serve this. So I try to just give people a heads up. Like, allow yourself enough time to think to marinate or, you know, as, as much as, you know, we all know we are supposed to read the recipe through and through before we start. Sometimes we don't do it. We don't. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's what the great thing you've kind of thought it out for us. You've, you've been there. It feels like when I'm reading this book that, that you're just one of us, like, listen, um, I worked in the, you know, in the restaurant business and I was busy, but I'm a busy mom too. And I have a family and I have a husband and I have children and I have a life and all this is going on. And, but we want to eat healthy. And, but these are the tips that I can pass on to you. It's, it's, it's almost like a, a family cookbook that's being passed down when your mom makes her little cards yeah. for you and then passes mm-hmm. them on to you. That's the feeling that I really get in, in this book is that these are your oh, note cards so nice. and you're just kind of passing them on to us. Yeah. And I think, you know, even though I do have, um, you know, experience in the restaurant business and 
you know, the reality is that, you know, gosh, my, my son is going to turn 15 next month. Like I've been a, I've been a busy mom for longer than I worked in the restaurant industry. And, you know, I really, I am living the same life that a lot of my readers live, you know, driving my kids around every day um, and helping with homework and just trying to balance everything. And so that really does that, you know, that goes into my recipes. You know, I, I don't like complicated recipes. I don't like recipes that call for strange ingredients. You know, every single recipe in the book can be made from ingredients found at just an ordinary supermarket. Um, that's really important to me because I know that I'm not going to bother with recipes that are difficult or if I've got to drive halfway across town to find a certain spice. And so, you know, the the recipes reflect my life. And I think that a lot of my readers, you know, have have a similar situation. And so that's important to me that the recipes are really doable. Well, I, I think that comes across in the in the cookbook, Once Upon a Chef. It's very well done. It's just a beautiful, makes a great gift. I'm always a big um, proponent of giving cookbooks as gifts. And so I like to give them for graduation, and I like to give them for Mother's Day. I like to give them for birthdays. I just think that it's um, uh, a really great way for people to um, – you know, it's, you're kind of giving them a piece of yourself. You're like, I like this. You don't have to make the food. See, that's the best part. You don't have to make right. the food. And say, I was thinking about you, and I brought you something. I was thinking about you, and right. I brought you this wonderful cookbook. Right. Bring you to make your own food. <laughs> something that, 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 that I really liked. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, if, if anyone's graduating, I usually, you know, I give them a card. Of course, I know everybody wants money. But then I also give them a cookbook. And I cannot tell you how many times people told me over and over, I still have that cookbook that you gave me. I use it all the time. And I was, you know, I got my first apartment and I didn't know how to cook anything. And, you know, I was always, I didn't want to call my mom every single day. It was just nice to have something. And I, I, I don't think that people kind of think in those terms, but it, it, it really is yeah. one of those gifts that keeps on, on giving for people. And this is, is going to be one is. of my go-to's. My my mom actually just gave me her old silver palette cookbook from, I don't know, how many years ago, 20, 20, maybe more than that, 30 years ago. And in it, there's still sticky notes from my aunt who had given her the book as a gift with, and she had marked all the recipes that she loved in the book. And I just think that's so such a nice thing, you know, like she gave the book and then she also marked, you know, which recipes she had tried and that she really liked. And it, the, the, the sticky notes are still there after all these years. That's amazing. That's that's a treasure. Yeah, it really is. Well, the cookbook is called Once Upon a Chef, and it's available now. It's by Jennifer Siegel. You can I, I just looked at it on Amazon. It's one click. It's available on Kindle, and it's available in the traditional book form. And you can get it wherever really books are sold. And I want to just want to thank you, Jennifer, for coming on and and talking with us about this today. I'm I'm hungry already, and we're going to be making as soon as the Copper River Salmon Run comes in. You can that we're going to be making that uh, ancho and brown sugar planked uh, salmon recipe in our house. hundred percent. Well, I'll I even hope send you enjoy it. it. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it was, it was my pleasure. Once Upon a Chef is the name of the cookbook. Go get it and start cooking. We'll be right back. 